From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 318. Today's show is brought to you by Pingdom and Eero. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hello, hello. Hello, Mike. How are you? Hmm. Governor? <laughs> I don't know. Did I tell you that somebody got mad at me because I said Premier League? Because they want me to say Premier League like a fancy English person. I'm not an English mm. person. I'm American. It's Premier or a French League. person, okay. I guess. Premier. Mm. Premier. Premier. That's how, that is actually how all football fans say it uh, in England. They say Premier League. I didn't Premier know that. League. That Ligue is what de they say. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we have a, we have now upset everyone in England and France. So yeah, that's what work. I was going for. Good work on us. Hashtag Snell Talk question comes from Tim this week, and Tim's asks, "What image, Jason, do you use for your user login profile on macOS?" So mm. when you go to the login screen, if you use a login screen, I'm assuming that you do, uh, and you put your password in, you get a little image that pops up there. Or you kind of think you can also see this image somewhere in system preferences. Um, yeah. I don't remember where, but uh, what is the image users. that you use? In users, okay. I, my, my Mac auto logs in, so I don't see it. It only see, sees it when I wake it up and okay. it's, it's coming back. It's a picture of me taken by John Gruber at WWDC, like in San Francisco, like Mm -hmm. seven years ago or something that got stuck on there and has never been replaced. That's it. So you do use a picture of yourself? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, so do I. Uh, And I had to just go and check that. So I think it uses my iCloud picture now, though. I don't think so, because my, I believe my icon in... The chats that I've got in messages are not that, but I don't know. I think I have, what do I have set for you as a message? Let me see. There is a picture of you uh, looking inquisitively uh, using a microphone, which I think was from one of our live episodes. Oh, yeah, that's from one. Yeah, that is, that is, that is, no, that's my Apple, that's the one it's using. That's my Apple ID image. Right, that's the one that it shares. So when I open system preferences, Mm -hmm. that's the image of me that displays. But if I click on users and groups, it's a different picture. There you go. If you would like to send in a, a Snow Talk question to help us open a future episode, just send out a tweet with the hashtag Snow Talk or use the command question mark Snow Talk in the Relay FM members Discord. Uh, we have some follow up. Uh, you wanted to talk about your Apple Watch stand rings. Uh, but actually, before oh, yeah. we do that, before we do that, final call for St. Jude donations. Uh, we are now rounding out September, um, and I just wanted to thank everybody who has donated to our St. Jude campaign uh, here at Relay FM over the month. Uh, and bit. We have currently raised over $367,000, uh, absolutely smashing our goal of 315000 So um, we are all so incredibly thankful for your support in helping St. Jude ensure that no child dies from cancer. That is what your donations go towards so thank you so so much to everybody that's donated if you are if you have been waiting for some reason uh, you still have a couple of days left go to stjude.org slash relay and uh, next time you hear about it on this show will be next year so thank you so much for your uh, donations it's been yeah. uh, really incredible over this month so tell me about your apple watch uh yeah so i uh this is just a uh piece of follow-up we got from a lot of people which was uh, last week we complained i complained about how i felt like 
the stand ring calculation is not the however it's using its sensors to determine how you're standing or not standing that it's super ineffective super inefficient uh i stand all sorts of times and i'm told you should stand yeah i get really angry at, at that it's so interesting that the 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 sensors in the apple watch are so um so advanced in certain ways, like the hand washing one, for example. Like it really does know when I'm washing my hands, but yet still, after all this time, continues to have issues with whether I'm standing up or not. Yeah, this is my point is that I made last week is the hand washing thing is a they did a machine learning algorithm, uh, which I think is super clever, and this is what machine learning is good for, right? Which is you measure what the watch measures when people wash their hands mm-hmm. and you feed that into the algorithm and it learns how it builds up a model of understanding what it needs to see in the sensors because you know the, the apple watch isn't a person it doesn't can't look around and say oh look you're washing your hands it's just got its sensors but if you can say these are all the times that you uh wash your hands and these this is all the sensor data you can train it to be pretty smart about like this person is washing their hands. I don't think they did that or did that properly for the, the stand algorithm. In fact, my guess is that the stand thing hasn't been touched in years. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was saying last week is do that train, use some advanced machine learning to do a better job of understanding when people are standing or not. And I say all of this because we got a lot of feedback from people who said, oh, Jason, it's really easy. If you want to trick your watch into thinking that you're standing, you just make sure you hold your arm straight up and down, like just put it down at your side for at least a minute, and then it'll trigger it and it'll give you credit, which I appreciate the help. But my goal here is not to cheat, nor is it to hold my arm at a weird angle that is uncomfortable just to trick the stupid Apple Watch into thinking that I'm standing, wh- whether I am or not. My point is, I want my Apple Watch to understand when I'm freaking standing. <laughs> like, I don't want to trick it. I don't want to I don't want to have to hack the stupid thing to know when I'm standing or not. It should know when I'm standing. So that's my point. I appreciate all of the help of people who who apparently just sit on their couch and let their arm dangle down for a minute every hour and are killing it on the blue ring. Um, also, I heard from people who don't see this as a problem, and I think the answer there is their body motions obviously work with whatever algorithm is in the Apple Watch now, and mine obviously doesn't. I guess when I'm standing, I'm not letting my arms dangle by their sides or my left arm where my watch is. I don't know. We've all seen you. you know, I've seen you, you. When you stand, you stand perfectly still, right? And you know, we've all seen Jason do this. I do, because the aliens hunt <laughs> You're a still based stander. on movement. That's what, that's what you so if you are. stay still, the aliens slash dinosaurs can't see you. Exactly. But I want my Apple Watch to know that I'm still standing and give me credit for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started talking about widgets last week, and I think started because I think it's going to be. I will say before we get into talking about widgets, this is kind of the point. This has been one of those very rare features that ends up being a bigger deal than we thought it was going to be when Apple announced it, and that's definitely sure. the case of widgets, and not just because of everything we were talking about last time. You know, with like uh, the be all the customization and everything going on with Widget Smith and all that kind of incredible stuff. But also just my daily usage of widgets is higher than I would have expected it to be. 
because one of the things that uh, we were talking about at the time was when we found out that these widgets were non-interactive, right? That like that you couldn't have buttons. They would always open an application when you tap them, no matter what it is that you're doing, that kind of stuff. And there was a concern that like it's not going to be as good as it used to be. But I think that what we have seen now is it was the best case scenario that I had posited at the time, which was what we lose in functionality, we gain in general design, the ability to place them in more uh, circumstances, in better uh, orientations, especially on the iPhone where you can put them anywhere on your home screen and they're in different sizes. And the overall visual design improvements of widgets, all of that, I think, has come together to create something which is so much better than what we yeah. had expected it to be. And developers continue to do really cool, weird, fun, useful things with this technology. So. And I think, I think Apple will make widgets more functional over time. I 100% guarantee that iOS 15 will have much more features for widgets because it's been such a smash. Sure. However, I will say that that uh, some of the stuff they took away and going from the old style widgets to the new style widgets is, I think, a philosophical decision, which is Apple feels like widgets aren't apps, Mm -hmm. right? That widgets shouldn't be a thing that you entirely like tap a bunch of different buttons and get an answer and stuff like the peacock widget, right? Like I think Apple f- feels like that was not what their intent was that they want widgets to be glanceable or very simply interactive. That said, I look at what the limitations are on widgets now. And I think they could be more interactive than they are. Yeah. And I think that will come next year. Uh, but they, they do philosophically, they don't want it to be a replacement for an app. They want it to be a very simple kind of interaction, but yeah, so unexpected uh, that like I didn't expect that I would create a GitHub project for the first time, but here's that's where I am because I I wrote that article about using the air quality the purple air air quality network to make a widget saying what my nearby air quality was, and I I pasted it into Gist which is part of GitHub, and I had like multiple people like make code contributions and say oh I changed this to add a gradient and I added th- I moved this into a subroutine and here's what I did. And I, I realized, oh, this is like a project with contributors. So uh, I actually will put a link in the show notes, but I actually uh, put it up. So it uses the scriptable app. And uh, and actually the version that's up there now uses the beta, uh, the new beta of the scriptable app because uh, the developer of scriptable keeps adding new features. But yeah, I posted that. I mean, like I wouldn't. I, you would never have <laughs> I would never have bet that that something like that would have happened but I wanted that widget because we've got like wildfires and stuff this season and the widget seemed to be a really useful way for me to do that and other people seem to want it too and it just sort of snowballed so I'm not a developer and yet I have a github project now I told Casey Liss immediately that I had a github project because and he he is into that sort of thing and within uh 5 hours I had somebody um asking me for a whole bunch of features that are beyond the scope of the project, which I feel like is, it's almost like there's a a light goes off somewhere and they say, okay, there's a new, a new project that from somebody who's never had a project before it's time to haze them. So why don't you ask for uh, scope creep and a whole bunch of features that are not relevant and uh, see what he says. And what I said was, uh, again, within five hours, I said, well, if you want those features, you should just uh, fork this project and do it yourself because I'm not adding it. So I truly am now a developer of software, apparently, on the internet. Congratulations. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's great. Uh, But the fact is that widget that I built is way better now because of the contributions of people who actually know what they're doing. So that's awesome. 
Um, by the way, did you know that we pre-announced software last week? Yeah, I felt pretty bad about that, to be honest. <laughs> they were nice about it. So we mentioned how great the Fantastical widget is. It wasn't out yet. No. <laughs> By a couple of days. I mean, we, we, it was it was luckily short it and... was it was super super close to yeah. being to being released. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it, they were they were nice about it, and they're like, "Oh, it's all part of the marketing, I guess." But uh, people are like, "You mentioned these widgets, and I don't see them," and it's because the version of Fantastic we were using is the beta, and it wasn't out yet. But it is now. Uh, people were also confused about something I think you said. About the mm-hmm. carrot weather widget, mm-hmm. and um, when we say people, I think I mean primarily our friend Todd, friend of the show Todd, mm-hmm. listener Todd. Uh, but Mister Carrot, Mister Brian Carrot, uh, explains what's going on there. Yeah, so I had mentioned that the widget that I was using for carrot weather was changing throughout the day to yes. appropriate weather conditions. And people thought that I was using multiple widgets, but I wasn't. Uh, exactly. There is a, a widget type that, and I think they've, I think that the Carrot Weather developer Brian has added some features yes. into the most recent update, which lets you mm-hmm. control this a little more. But basically, the medium size versions, this came from Brian, uh, of the Snark and Forecast widgets that I was using, and I'm using the Forecast widget, automatically switches between hour and daily data throughout the day. Yeah. So if you put the hourly and daily widgets into a stack though they would automatically rotate hourly right. so you can do either day. one you can mm-hmm. put two widgets in a stack and they'll rotate or if you put the for the for the hourly and daily but if you put the snark or the forecast they change their time horizon so that they're telling you what happens that day yep. early in the day and then late in the day when it's not relevant anymore they'll tell you what happens the next few days and furthermore all, that automatic. forecast widget will give you uh, rain information if rain is happening yeah so it's a fantastic implementation of a widget. Like this is uh, one of my favorites so far because it is so smart. It feels like it has a brain of its own, which is kind of a wonderful thing. Like it feels like it is one of the, I've seen a few things like this, but this, this widget for sure feels like it's doing more than I thought could be done. And this is one of those things where the carrot weather widget is updating information throughout the day based upon what it seems to be logical for the time that I need it, which I mean, I know that from an underlying perspective, it's like that's what the widgets are supposed to do, right? But I haven't, I don't think I've seen an implementation of this kind of logic as good as the carrot weather widget, which frankly I'm not surprised about because carrot weather is a truly fantastic application. Um, yep. We've said it many times on this show. It is one of my very, very favorite apps on iOS, uh, and the widget has just made it even better. I will also throw in another app that i was trying which is weatherline which i know a lot of people like and they don't even have an ipad app it's just an iphone app um but its widget is really nice because the way it presents the weekly forecast with the little line that goes up and down um so i've been trying that out i never really used it before but i like its widget so i added the app to my ipad mm-hmm. and then i added the widget and the yep. you know again it's totally it's an works. iphone app so the the app is terrible on the ipad but I don't use the app. All I'm using is the widget, and it's mm-hmm. a beautiful widget. So I'm using the Weatherline widget now on my iPad. So uh, that's a pretty cool thing where the you know you can have an app that is bad on the iPad, but their widget is still great because widgets are widgets wherever they live, I think. Widgets are widgets wherever they live. Wherever they live. There's a, it's a, there's a children's book coming. It's to Jason Snell's Widgets are Widgets, an iOS 14 story for children. <laughs> 
This episode is brought to you by Pingdom. Hey, do you have a website? Does your website have a shopping cart, registration forms, or contact us pages? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need Pingdom. Nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail because it would mean a bad experience for your users and could also result in lost business as well. But the good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. Transaction monitoring will alert you when cart checkout, forms, or login pages fail before this affects your customers and your business. They can let you know the moment that anything goes wrong in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the outage severity so you can have the right person take care of the problem. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you're going to be the first to know. Well, you'll be second to know. Pingdom knows first, then they tell you. But you're the first to know outside of Pingdom, which is really useful. If it's super easy to get started, go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now and you can get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code UPGRADE at checkout and you'll get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. Jason, today as we are recording this, Apple and Epic are back in court to argue over whether Apple can legally keep Epic out of the App Store. So if you remember, there were some temporary injunctions put in place um, about not about Apple not getting rid of the developer account that was to do with the Unreal Engine, if you remember just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Well, they're back in court today to make this permanent. So there will be a final ruling from Judge Rogers as to whether Apple will be able to revoke this developer account. Um, and also they will be talking about uh, whether Fortnite can come back to the App Store or not. Of course, the judge has already, I think, made it pretty clear that she's not going to allow... Um, this to occur I would be surprised yeah. unless unless Epic somehow have got this incredible argument that we've not yet seen from them uh, it seems very unlikely however the reason I want to note it is because if for some reason the judge decides that Apple has to reinstate Epic or Fortnite into the App Store it would set a precedent for third party payments because that would be the assumption, right? That they will keep using their third-party payment method and a court has said that it's okay. So there are some interesting... Um, there will be some interesting discussion, I think, to come out of this, but it's going to be... I I believe it starts today and I think will be over the next couple of days, I believe, uh, but we'll see. Uh, meanwhile, there is, of course, more PR battles, uh, but this time not just from Apple. Uh, Epic have joined up with uh, Basecamp, the Match Group. That's The Match Group is, you can assume, like Match.com, Tinder, uh, companies like that. Spotify, Tile, and many more to create the, quote, Coalition for App Fairness. Um, they have a big 10-point plan of the things that they want to see changed, but they all uh, they, these points all coalesce around three ideas. Uh, they want to uh, fix anti-competitive policies that have been occurring, the 30% app tax, and no consumer freedom. Um, so this is basically them railing against Apple mainly, but uh, Google also. Like I actually saw a report a couple of days ago that Google is actually trying to to get more of their 30% out of people than they have been mm-hmm. in the past. 
Um, so no doubt to combat all of this, Apple has created another new selection of web pages that explain the benefits of the App Store and what they give to developers. Um, these pages are funny to me, right? They, they shouldn't, they, they, they don't need to exist because Apple has to sell itself to developers, right? Like that job has been done. It's purely to counterbalance a lot of these discussions, right? Like this is Apple's side of the PR piece. Uh, where they're trying to say, look how amazing we are, look what, what we give everybody. Because, you know, these these pages, if you looked at them without knowing any of this information, they look like, oh, we're trying to convince you to develop for our platform. But that's clearly not something that Apple needs to do, right? Like people want to, ha- to, want to make iOS apps. It's a very smart business to be in if you want to be in any kind of app development company or app development business. Uh, but they're doing this, I would assume, as a way to try and say like, hey, uh, we are not so bad, I guess. Yeah, it's an interesting... I mean, this is an extension of the thing that they always do, which is like, look at how much money we bring into the economy and look at all of these businesses that we help enable and all of those all of those stories that they tell. So there's a they're fighting a PR... This is the PR battle, right? There's the epic creating an organization full of the usual suspects of companies that have had run-ins with Apple and Apple posting a bunch of stuff on their website about how great they are and how good they are to developers. It's, you know, the, the story will continue. It most definitely will. I think we said this a while ago, but like this will continue to be probably the story of the year. Like it will just keep on rolling, uh, especially now as a lot of these companies are starting to band together. This was when when the Epic thing started. This was the, the big question. Like, will other companies start to get together on this? And if they do, what, what happens? Now, at the moment, just creating a coalition where they just make some noise is not really that effective. The effective part is if any companies follow in what Epic tried to do and really kick up a storm, but we'll see. Yep. So I have some upstream news for you, Jason. It's actually all focused around Apple today. Uh, so there's been some new content signings. Um, Apple's partnership with the development the development company A24, or the film development company, will be bringing a new original movie to Apple TV+. Plus. It's called The Sky is Everywhere and stars Cherry Jones, Jason Siegel, and Grace Kaufman. So A24, this is a deal that Apple done a long time ago with them, and it's basically to help them do this, right? Develop movies um, and other TV shows and stuff like that. Apple has also yeah. announced a deal with Patricia Arquette and Ben Stiller to create a new comedy show, High Desert. Arquette will star and produce, and Stiller will be producing and directing some episodes. Uh, this is being produced by Apple Studios, which is why this is one oh. of the rare uh, press releases that was on Apple's website as opposed to Deadline or Variety. Yeah, um, Apple's, Apple's weird, totally separate TV PR website, right? Yeah, at least it's now at apple.com slash TV TV dash PR because for a while it was like apple.tv it looked like a fake website, right? Yeah. (laughs) It was very weird. Um, but at least they've, they've, they've tightened that one up now. Uh, this is the second project with uh, Arquette and Stiller attached to it. They're also working on a show called Severance which is a thriller series for Apple and it's it's kind of interesting because they don't own a production company together. Stiller does, and it's his production company. And Patricia Arquette seems to have a working relationship with Ben Stiller because they seem to keep executive producing shows together. Um, but this is notable because this is one of the few so far projects that are being produced by Apple Studios directly. And that's obviously going to continue as time goes on. 
Um, Apple have also acquired the rights to a movie called Cherry, which is a Russo Brothers movie. They directed the Avengers movies, the last two Avengers movies. Uh, it will star Tom Holland and Clara Bravo. Uh, Akira Bravo. Uh, Apple reportedly paid over $40 million for this drama movie. Uh, it focuses around heartbreak, drug addiction, and mm. crime. They're kind of the main okay. themes. Uh, so, you know, it's a gritty movie for sure. Uh, and it wanted, it, it made me uh, think again about the expensive NBC comment. <laughs> because I started watching Ted Lasso. Um, if yep. you're sick of everybody telling you how Ted Lasso, how good Ted Lasso is, I'm sorry. I'm Too going bad. to tell you now. It is absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. I think we're four mm-hmm. episodes in. But even with that show, so much cursing, which really yes. works for the show, but yes. is way more than you would find on a network television. It's more HBO, really. It reminds me of Veep. Like, Veep has a ton of cursing. Yeah, it. that's why it's not expensive NBC. But there was, mm-hmm. a, there was an angry, for those who don't remember, there was some uh, report that they were basically, the Apple TV Plus shows were all going to be expensive NBC, that a lot of money, but they want to have control over the content. And uh, that was and very was clearly from a producer friendly. who basically got fired off of a show or that their show got killed or something like mm-hmm. that. And they had an axe to grind and they had had a bad experience because of what was being asked of them. They assumed that was being asked of everyone. It wasn't. It was just them. Uh, but they ran to the press about it. And uh, and yeah, Ted Lasso is, uh, it's great. You know, you know where uh, cuz his team is is what AFC Richmond, right? Mm-hmm. They're in the um Ligue de Premier <laughs> in the show, yes. In the show cuz they're not in real life, they're made up cuz they're yeah. sort of uh Crystal Palace, but uh Crystal Palace also exists in the show, so it's mm-hmm. very confusing. A little uh little I actually soccer think there. It was I a called good it soccer move. too. Ha ha ha. Soccer. Soccer, 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 soccer. Okay. I, it was a very good move, I think, to um create a fake team and i will yes. say uh as a british person they do a very i mean it's clearly got british writing in it like it clearly has been written by people that are very familiar if not mm-hmm. are british or very familiar because it's it fits everything fits really well none of it seems out of place like what people say the words that they use that kind of stuff you know like it it, it feels like a british comedy show to me yeah it's not it, it's got americans running it but it's shot in england and and, and american starring in it um but it's shot in england and i'm unclear whether they had english writers or whether they had the english some english people do a pass on it to make sure mm-hmm. that it, but it, you know i'm glad to hear that you it felt authentic to me i'm glad you feel it it seems authentic to you it, authentic in the sense of britishisms i mean it is a yeah. the show itself the premise is kind of ludicrous but it doesn't matter because it's great yeah, and it, and it, it, what I like about what we've seen so far as well is, I like shows that that they seem to be following conventions and then just don't. And I like that kind of stuff, especially in comedy shows. Like you're like, oh, I can see where this is going, and then it doesn't go to that place. So I like that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, Apple has also acquired Scout FM, which was a startup that creates radio stations for podcasts. Uh, this was a cross-platform application. Uh, basically, you pick a topic and Scout put together a playlist of podcasts for you. Um, this isn't something uh, that you can currently get anymore. The app has disappeared. I don't know really who was using this. I, 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 I cannot... I under, Look, I've read the use case. I can understand <laughs> what they are saying. Yep. I don't know who wants this. I... Yeah, I mean, my initial thought was, oh boy, just what podcasting needs, something that makes it more like radio, mm-hmm. which is why 
people listen to podcasts is they don't want radio. Here's my theory. My theory is they like this technology and they want to do a better job of building a podcast recommendation engine based on listening history. Yes, that's, I, that, that makes more sense because that's one of the ways that they were doing it. Like basically the stuff that you seemed to engage with and like, they would use that to feed the system to recommend or to put more stuff right. into your feed. So this is the, this is the thing is my guess is Apple's not going to do a genius playlist for podcasts but they are going to look at user behavior in the podcast app using the technology from Scout FM and say you know people who like this podcast liked this other podcast or people who liked you know what you like also like these other things um and and try to say like Rather than it being like, here's an endless podcast playlist, you just press play and we pick whatever, maybe they tweak it so it's more like, are you looking for more podcasts? Here are some that we think you will like. Mm -hmm. But who knows? I mean, who knows what their philosophy is? I'm not a believer in... um, in trying to genius playlist, trying to, to, you know, radioize uh, podcasts because podcasts are... Like, they're longer than songs, for one, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, you listen to something for an hour, and then there's sort of like, here's a random podcast for another half hour or whatever. They're not easily split up in that way. And I think people, you know, I think the challenge is more about discovery and finding things that you might like. And that, that makes sense for this technology. And if Apple can go in that direction, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It seems really weird to me. Like... There are people in the Discord saying like maybe this is a type of thing for new users, but that doesn't make sense to me either. Because like if you're a new user, it doesn't have any information on you, so it's basically just the same as doing a search by a topic and just yeah playing whatever's popular. Um, this really feels like I can see how somebody came to the idea. I can see how somebody get investment for a project like that because if you invest to people that understand what radio is, they're like, yes, podcasting right. needs to become more like radio so it gets more listeners for some reason that people think that it needs yeah. and then you get investment and then it becomes a no, project. I think the goal is somebody sends you a link to, you know, Hello from the Magic Tavern and you're like, okay, I'll listen to that and yeah. you listen to it and you're like, oh, this is great. And then if... if and, and this is why you Scout FM isn't the right answer. It's it's a vehicle to be acquired by somebody who has a lot of podcast listeners like Apple. Perfect mm-hmm. match. Whoever made that company, I think this is probably what their ultimate goal might have been to get probably. bought by Apple. Or, that, or a it, company, right? Like or a company, company. But it allows Apple to say, hey, new podcast person who's never listened to a podcast before and listen to Hello from the Magic Tavern. If you like that, here are like five podcasts that are just like that. And maybe even five podcast episodes you could listen to to try to find something else. Because the goal is to increase engagement, I would assume, mm-hmm. and like not lose that person where they listen to one and say, it was funny, I guess, but I don't know where I go from there. And say, oh, I can tell you exactly based on our algorithm where to go from there for whatever it is that you happen to to like. And then if you're a, again, we're all kind of intense podcast listeners, I think, here. But um, there are also people who, they like podcasts, but they only have a handful and they don't know where they go from there. And and maybe it's a big mainstream podcast like, you know, it's a they do a sports podcast and it's able to throw them to a bunch of different kinds of sports podcasts yeah. from which they find something a little more obscure, but that's a good fit for them. Like there, there are, you know, I, I like it as that. I think better discovery in podcasting is uh, a good thing. And I hope that that's what it is because the, you know, just press play on sports and give me a, a, a 
a lot of sports podcasts back to back that uh, nobody wants that. And it's also like, you know, you just go and press play and then you're given something that's 10 minutes and then something that's two and a half hours. Like, it's just, I just yeah. don't think it's the medium. You know, it's, it. I just don't think the medium is, is created for that. It, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't work. Anyway, moving on. Uh, exposure notifications are now supported throughout the United Kingdom, Jason. So Scotland was turned on a couple of weeks ago. Now England and Wales are too. Uh, the NHS, the the government and the NHS have released their application. I had previously said that I would not use the app, um, but I am using the app. Oh. Because I went and took a look at it, and also there's some of the features that the application has in it which are kind of useful for stuff that's going on right now. So all the app does is asks for your postcode. Huh. But like only... So our postcodes are like... Uh, four characters and three characters and the four character thing is the general area and then the three characters narrows it down to where you are more exactly and all the app wants is the first four characters so basically like what town do you live in right Uh Um, and then from there it it gives you based on the town that you're in what your kind of threat level is basically right like what is the how bad is the virus where you are Um, and this is the england and wales app scotland has its own app um, and the one of the other things that the application does is has a QR code scanner in it. So if you go to public places like restaurants, cafes, that kind of stuff, any retail business now has to display a um, like a QR code on the door that you're supposed to scan before you go in. So it's effectively helping with the test and trace type stuff, right? Like that's that's the thinking to it. Um, so I use the application. I've been, uh, I've had it on for a few days. I haven't had any kinds of notifications yet. I know that there's That's like good. a system-based notification that tells you, hey, you're fine. Uh, I haven't had one of those yet either. I think it's <laughs> after a week or something. Alert, alert, alert. Nothing to report. Yeah, it's a super weird thing. But look, I'm. Uh, this is a long-term follow-up. This took longer than it should have because the government made a stupid decision in trying to make its own application first. But frankly, I'm just pleased that it does exist. Um, so yeah, there we go. I just wanted to follow up on that. All right, that's that's good to know and and report back. I, that I mean, I know you're you're staying safe. I would imagine that if there's like somebody who's got it who is riding the same train as you or something like that, that that would be where you might get a notification saying, "Oh, that guy across the the train from you." had it and you're yeah. on the train for 15 minutes something like that i think that up, that's possible like that would be the most possible for me yeah um because that's the only time that i would be in contact with people right. for that or like of time or like a, a lift driver or something yeah driver. yeah like a driver or um or or on in public basically transport transport is my main risk vector personally right because you're just going from where you live to where yeah. you work and back but the good things that we have is one, if we do take taxis, like, you know, I've seen some science in this. I don't know, but I've seen stuff that made me feel better. Like, you've opened the windows, which they yeah. all recommend that you do. Like, that airflow is really good. Yeah, my um, understanding is that the ride-sharing um, companies in the U.S. have basically mandated that the windows be rolled down. It's the same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before you take an Uber here, you have to, like, there's, like, this extra screen now, which is, like, you need to agree to doing all of these things, right? And it's, like, wear a mask, uh, wash your hands, open the windows, like, all that kind of stuff. Um, And with the trains for me, 
I can stay pretty far away from people. Like I haven't had too many instances where it's been when I've been around too many people. So, you know, it's okay. been fine for me so far. Good, but good, good. Uh, I I will report back if I'm self isolating at any point because the app told me to. If a podcaster self isolates, does anyone notice? Oh, nice, nice. Uh, probably not. Probably not actually, <laughs> unless they tell you. Uh, so during an interview at the Atlantic Festival, uh, Tim Cook says he has been, quote, impressed by employees' ability to operate remotely and predicts that some new work habits will remain after the pandemic. Uh, this is a report mm. from Bloomberg. Cook said he doesn't believe Apple will return to the way we were because we found that there are some things that actually work really well virtually. This is a very surprising thing. Um, yes. You know, if you've paid attention to Apple for long enough, um, you will be aware of the fact that they are very hesitant, almost allergic to uh, home working or um, kind of like telecommuting, right? Like that, that basically, if you want to work for Apple, you have to move to be near whatever place is closest to you. So whether it's Cupertino or whether it's like a place in London or whatever, like you have to be able to go to that office because that's right. where you work from. Um, and, and this isn't just because of a secrecy thing. It's basically every part of the, the company. If you, are in the, if you are in a head office function, you have to be a, in the head office. So I think it's really refreshing. You know, Steve Jobs didn't like telecommuting and really bought into the... Uh, the concept that you had to have people in person in order to have magical collaboration and all of that, which, um, you know, I don't want to be too cynical here. Um, it does happen. It doesn't, it is not uh, the only way that those things happen. It's like, mm -hmm. I, I'm a big supporter of remote work. And I, I hired a lot of remote work people when I was a manager of a, an editorial organization at Macworld. We hired lots of remote people because they were the best people. And they were great. <laughs> um, and the issue I have is this kind of myth that the only time you get collaboration and magic serendipity happens is when people are like waiting for the toaster to toast a bagel in the lunchroom or mm -hmm. whatever. Like mm -hmm. it's not you bump into somebody and there's that magical moment. I'm sure that happens, but I think that there are lots of other ways to facilitate stuff like that that don't require your all, every single person that you have to be in an office together. And, you know, my my experience is when they were staffing up um, App Store Editorial, a bunch of people I know were contacted by Apple about that um, those jobs. And uh, what I found fascinating was that it was an in-Cupertino job. Like, literally, you had to be in Cupertino every day for that job. And it was no different from the Macworld jobs that we all had where you could have somebody at their house. Because literally, it's like writing words and you're not even dealing with the developers. The developers are all remote. So it's really just you and your fellow people who are doing App Store editorial. And I had this moment where I just, I couldn't process it. It was like, this is so ingrained in Apple's culture. I think because of not just Steve Jobs putting it there, but also this feeling of control that a lot of people want over their employees where I want to see them. I don't believe that they're working. And maybe some of that has been removed now that you can't see them and yet they do their jobs. How about that? Isn't that amazing? So I hope this continues, and I hope Tim Cook is serious about this. I'm skeptical. Corporate culture is really, really powerful at resisting change. Mm -hmm. Even if everybody agrees that it should change, 
lot of times the change just doesn't happen. It's amazing how corporate cultures are designed to resist change um, because it's in many cases that's helpful, but in other cases it's really bad. So I hope this is true because there are so many uh, stories of people. Imagine the people who would be uh, great contributors at Apple, but they're not going to move to a big city and they're certainly not going to move to the Bay Area with the cost of living here. And, you know, I'll footnote James Thompson's famous story where, you know, Apple was told move in the early days of Steve Jobs' return. Um, if you want to work on Mac OS X and the Finder, you have to you have to come to Cupertino. And he was in Ireland and, you know, he left Apple because he wasn't going to move to California. It was that simple. And Apple still has that attitude. Not everywhere and not for everything, but um, I, I think companies... Oh, I'm not saying that having offices isn't good and that it can't be good and that there aren't some jobs where it's necessary, but it's very frustrating when there are jobs that I know for a fact aren't necessary to be in person. And the co- the company line is, no, you have to, you have to be in person. That's it. That's we, we all have to be here. Um, it's dumb. So I hope that changes at Apple because uh, it's wasteful and they're, they're not hiring good people uh, because those people don't want to, either move to or commute to uh, Cupertino. Yeah, I think at this point, there will be very few companies that can truly believe that the adaptations that they've had to make during the pandemic won't remain in some form. Because for many, it's going to be a long-term change by the time there is mm -hmm. any point that we can go back. And, and that's how you make cultural change, right? Yeah, is yeah. that if you Habits. do it, if you do anything long enough, it becomes the culture. Mm-hmm. That's the way we do um, things, right? We were um, so so. My wife went back to. They have a new schedule at the library. She's mm-hmm. a librarian, and they're still just doing. The people aren't in the library. They're just doing curbside service, but they're on a new schedule where she's in um, every other Friday, and then and then two other days in the week. And so she worked her first three consecutive days in the office last week. And it was one of those things where she used to work five days a week, right? Mm-hmm. But after a few months, you're like, oh, wow, three days in a row. And like, that's, that's the thing is that you get used to the new thing after a while. And then going back to the old thing is no longer back to normal. Now it's back to a weird thing that I don't do right now. And that's that moment of opportunity. So I hope Tim Cook seizes it because... Um, it definitely you know, has been going on long enough now that they should see, one, that it's just a lie that these jobs can't be done remotely. Um, and, and two, it's already changed the culture, even if they didn't plan it, just because of circumstance. Yeah, currently, just 10 to 15% of Apple's employees are back at Apple Park with the expectation mm-hmm. that more will be able to return yeah. next year at some point. Because look, this is the thing. For some people, it is better to be uh, in the office. I For do, sure. whilst I am obviously a large proponent of uh, remote work, I do understand the benefits of being able to be in the same place as, as people. Like, sure. it's something that I would try and do every once in a while, you know, go to a different place, be with friends, that kind of stuff. And you could right. have a more collaborative working environment. There's um, no one size fits all to no. this. That's the thing. Every job is different, every person is different. And we should mention, I mentioned this before when we talked about this. Also, it's not, we've all hit this with COVID-19. Um, it's not fair to expect every employee to have their own uh, workspace available to them, yeah. right? Some people don't have a place to work at home. Mm-hmm. And you and now you can't go to a co-working facility, right? Those are, are not in bounds 
for the same reason. So there's lots of issues here. Or even just a coffee shop. You can't go yeah. and work in a Starbucks anymore. Like, you just can't do that. And there's a gray area here, too, which is, like, Apple Park is a good example. Like, do they, when they come back, do they all come back full time? Or do they come back with a mix where they uh, everybody gets a little more space and people are there uh, some days, but not all days? And they're home some and together some. It'll be interesting to see how that all uh, pans out. But never bet against corporate culture reasserting itself, though, I, I would yep. say. So I'm glad Tim Cook is talking about this because maybe that means that they've really had some uh, moments of realization that they uh, don't need to be quite as hardcore with this. Where like, oh, this person is brilliant, but we're going to make them move to California and they won't move to California. So we're going to hire this person we don't like as much. Like that's a net loss for Apple. <laughs> Hiring a person you don't want to hire mm-hmm. instead of a person you do because of your demand that they be in California for if it's for a job that they don't actually need to be in California. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of stuff that I hope they're rethinking. Yeah. And as a company that is openly trying to improve diversity of hires... Having a reason to exclude people, <laughs> it's pretty, you know, it doesn't help with that, right? Like, as you say, like you you might end up finding the right person for the job, but they don't want mm-hmm. to move to where you're telling them to move. Was the name right. lost them? So. Right, because eventually, being in Silicon Valley becomes a huge liability because the requirements, if you're not sort of uh, in your twenties and willing to share an apartment with eight random people, <laughs> like if you're somebody with a family, like and you're not in Silicon Valley and you look at it, you think, oh my God, like where are we going to live and how much is that going to cost and how long is my commute going to be? And and that becomes a, a major source of a brain drain within all of the companies in Silicon Valley. So uh, this this is an opportunity if they seize it, but they got to go against some of their existing corporate culture in order to do it. I mean, if you're, unless you're getting a really good job at Apple, you can't afford to live <laughs> anywhere near, right? Would well, be that, my assumption. I mean, those editorial jobs. I mean, we're talking about jobs that that I will grant you pay better than working at a independent publishing editorial organization because, of course, they do. It's Apple versus IDG, right? A- Apple's going to pay more, I would hope, right? But still, it's not like that much more <laughs> that that you know apple doesn't pay every employee even though they're the richest company in the world in some ways apple d- believe it or not apple does not pay its employees uh you know a million bucks to start like mm-hmm. that doesn't happen and that becomes a serious issue if you're um not an executive and you're trying to find a way to live uh with a family in the south bay and not have a hour-long commute yeah, this is going to be a big change. The working environment stuff yeah. is going to continue to be a really big change. And if you're Apple and you invested in Apple Park, you're like, oh, they spent billions of dollars on this thing. I think the answer is going to be don't feel bad for Apple for Apple Park because Apple Park will fill to whatever capacity they choose for it. I mean, my understanding is they were already over capacity before it opened. Yeah. Like they so bought up more property but, in the surrounding but let's area. Say, yeah, let's say Apple doesn't want to bring everybody back or bring everybody back full time. Uh, what will happen is Apple Park will fill up, Infinite Loop will fill up, but maybe that old and kind of decrepit office building that's on the border of Sunnyvale and Cupertino that they have now because they, they're desperate, but when they have some people work from home, it's like, oh, we don't need to pick up the lease on that building mm-hmm. and that building and that building. That's, I think, when you'll see it. Their their core campuses are going to be full, as full as they want to make them. Because Apple is in this case where 
you know, Apple Park is only a small percentage of the total Apple workforce, even in Cupertino, believe it or not, for people who don't know about that, that the size of Apple and the size of that area. So they'll always be able to fill up Apple Park. So uh, it, that beautiful thing they spent a lot of money on, it, it'll get used. The question is, you know, does there end up being some kind of crappy office space somewhere in Cupertino or Sunnyvale or San Jose or somewhere like that, that Apple dumps, you know, the lowest stuff, the worst stuff? because those groups don't need to be there anymore. Today's episode of Upgrade is brought to you by Eero. These days, your house isn't just your home. It's an office, it's a school, a movie theater, a restaurant. All of these activities put more strain on your Wi-Fi, especially as many of us are at home more, again, to use it. It is not good enough if it's only in a room or two. You want great Wi-Fi in your whole home, right? That is why you need Eero. Eero is an Amazon company, and it covers your whole home with fast, reliable Wi-Fi inside and out. If you have rooms with bad-to-no Wi-Fi, dropouts on your patio, doesn't matter because Eero will make every single square foot of your home use by eliminating poor coverage and dead spots. You'll have a consistently strong signal wherever you need it. You can be on a work call, the kids can be remote learning, and someone could be streaming videos all at the same time without any buffering when you have Eero. It's super fast and easy to set up. You just plug it into your modem and you're good to go. You can manage Eero from a super simple app. You can even pause your Wi-Fi for dinner and get alerts if anyone tries to join your network. I'm going to tell you two things that I love about my Eros. One is you have the ability to get notifications for when devices join your network for the first time. I just like this feature. It can be super useful. Sometimes I have things join the network and I'm like, wait, what was that? And it's like, oh, that machine's turned itself on. So that can be super useful to have if you want it. Another is what I really love. Uh, I have the Eero Pro system here. And the Eero Pros, the I have two of the, the the two of them, and they have Ethernet jacks on the back. And so what I was able to do is I was like getting good speeds for my connection, but I have a gigabit connection, and I wanted to be able to plug my Mac Mini into Ethernet directly. But where the Mac Mini is, I couldn't plug it in. It's not where it wasn't in the router. It wasn't near anything. So I got my Eero. I plugged it into my Eero and tripled my speeds. So, you know, fantastic. I was very, very happy with that. So it works absolutely fantastically for Wi-Fi. And it even allowed me to extend that throughout my home as well. So super, super great. We're asking a lot of our Wi-Fi these days, and Eero can help yours do more. Go to Eero.com slash Ahoy. That's E-E-R-O dot com slash Ahoy. And enter the code Ahoy at checkout to get free next day shipping with your order. That's E-E-R-O dot com slash A-H-O-Y. And the code Ahoy at checkout to get your Eero delivered free with free next day shipping. One more time, that's Eero.com slash Ahoy and the code Ahoy. Our thanks to Eero for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Mr. Snell. Let's uh, talk about you. This is, you wouldn't usually think that this is worthy of discussion, but we are in 2020. Uh, you went to an Apple store. <laughs> yeah. Breaking news. Breaking news. Person goes to store. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I bought a solo loop. I wanted to try on the new solo loop, and I was clicking around on Apple.com, as you do, and looking at the colors and thinking about if I could get one, because I don't want to get a new Apple Watch. I don't. I don't have a need for it. Mine's fine. But I was curious about the solo loop, and I thought I could maybe write about it, which I did. So I'm looking on Apple.com, and 
what I see is that the Navy solo loop is, I'm trying to find one that's like available quickly and, and most of them are not. Most of them, like the online orders are out in like October and November. And then the Navy solo loop, it says, or pick up tomorrow in Corte Madera, which is my local Apple store. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, so it's four weeks out or tomorrow. And I haven't been to that Apple store since, you know, the pandemic. So I bought it and I have it. So I went to an Apple store and I got, uh, and I got a solo loop. The solo loop is nice. Um, it's weird, but I, I've, I've kind of gotten used to it. It's weird because you expect, I've been wearing the sport band for so mm-hmm. long that I don't, I like, I keep looking for the, the the little dots or the it's the it's that you know where's the rest of me kind of moment of like right. where is the why is it does it keep going and it doesn't so have you've got little the, the dots rubbery one not the nylon yes. one okay yes it's the sport D solo loop the yeah. Apple Watch names are so confusing now I think by all rights this should be called the sport loop, loop. Right? yeah by all rights this should be called the sport loop yes. but they already ha- made a sport loop so they can't call it that so this is the solo loop like Han Solo I guess um. But uh, pulling it on and off is weird. It's kind of rubber bandy, but it, it feels nice. Um, pulling it off is a little bit strange, but it, but it, it feels nice and it is snug, but it doesn't feel like it's it's cutting off circulation in my arm. I used John Gruber's chart, and we'll put a link to it if you haven't seen it. He took a picture. He basically mapped the dots on the sport band to sizes of the loop. Yeah, because Apple which is make so a, a, a chart that you can print out that we spoke about, but it seems like the that people's um, experiences in using the chart and ordering have been a little bit all over the place as to what they actually end up receiving, right. how it ends up fitting them, I should say. Yeah, I think there's issues with measurement, maybe issues with your printer scaling the file when it prints it. I don't know what's going on there. But John figured out because he's got them, because uh, he got them with his reviewer package, that um, they map pretty directly to the number, the dot number on the sport band. So if you have a sport band and you know what dot you usually use, which I imagine anyone with a sport band has noted that they're on like four or five or whatever. For me, it was always like four or five. Um, you can get your size from that. And so I did. That's how I picked my size, <laughs> is I used Gruber's photo and uh, I am completely baffled why Apple doesn't offer that. Like, it's such a smart thing to say, do you already have an Apple Watch with a sport band? Yeah. Well, you could figure out, like, based on, like, why would you not do that? And I, I think I the answer is that... I understand why you might want to create something for people that it would be their first Apple Watch. Yes, of but course. also, <laughs> right? Also, why not do this it. and avoid a bunch of returns, right? Mm-hmm. Avoid the returns by offering this as, a, as an option. And I don't understand it. I think they just... You know, this was a concept from a different time and they expected people to try this on in stores and that's less of a thing right now. Mm -hmm. But still, somebody should have said, uh, we can map this to the sport band size and solve this for a lot of people because the base model, the sport band is probably by far, by far the largest percentage of the existing Apple Watch population. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, my size does alternate. I, I will use the fourth dot or the fifth dot in the sport band. Um, but I went with a smaller one because I figured it's a stretchy material. And also with the fifth band, uh, the fifth dot, it would rattle a little bit and not always make a, a contact with my wrist for like um, the uh, heart rate monitoring. 
So mm. I figured, okay, go with the smaller one because the the band will be stretchy, but I also do want it to not rattle around on my wrist and I want it to make contact. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it feels pretty good. Like if I put it in the wrong place, it is a little too tight. But yep. if I wear it sort of where I'm supposed to wear it, it is uh, solid and it doesn't bother me. And uh, it's it's not for everybody. Um, I love the sport band, which is funny because if you go back to early days of Upgrade, you'll undoubtedly hear me talk about how I just, we all, I think, maybe assumed the sport band was cheap and crappy, and it's not. It's great. It's mm-hmm. that material, that fluoroelastomer, whatever. It's really good, and I mm-hmm. like it a lot. So it, there's a high bar for this thing to clear, and um, it's pretty close to clearing it. It's, it, it's really uh, pretty nice. I'm not sure... It's necessary in life. Like my sport band was fine, but this is definitely kind of simpler and cleaner, and um, it looks nice. Um, so so yeah, it's I, I tried it. So definitely endorsing John Gruber's uh, map of the dots on your mm. sport band to the the loop if you want this. And I bet the one that's fabric that costs ninety nine bucks, which is one of the reasons I didn't get it. Plus, it's hard to find availability. I bet that's nicer. Like I bet that's a lot nicer than this, but this is nice. I like. Yeah, it. if I was gonna get one of these, I would get the braided one because I think, I think it adds something. So, because what I was thinking for me personally, the the rubber, the silicone sport loop, the solo loop. Oh my god, I don't. Yep. I don't see why anyone would want this product for typical usage because. It seems way less convenient to me than than putting the watch on and with the clasp, because surely that is easier or more comfortable to do. Like, I would I'm say, a relatively hairy man. So and there, there's it, it doesn't. I, I am too, and that's not an issue. It, okay. It's actually not an issue. It's very easy to put it on. I I think within Apple and perhaps within the watch world, Marco could tell us. Um, there is this feeling that sizing your watch band is a hassle <laughs> so it's like the um the the sport loop right with the velcro mm-hmm. you it's like this is great you just put it wherever you want it and and you don't have that hassle of like getting which which band which dot fits you you just fit it to exactly right and then it's and you don't have to worry about it yay and i always thought like and i don't really i have one of those i don't i don't wear it and i don't wear it because it ends up being so fiddly. Like, is this too tight? Is this too loose? Is this too tight? Is this too loose? Whereas I know it's number four on the sport band. I count it. Yeah. But there's yeah, somebody at nice. Apple who's like, you don't want that cognitive load of having to count four holes in your watch band every morning. No, that's too much. So we want to make it infinite. Like, I get that there's somebody there who's saying that. That said, this gives me the feel of the sport band without having to do anything except just slide it over my wrist. And that's kind of cool. But But again... It's marginal, like it's marginally uh, better. I would say if it is better mm. at all, it's just different. But um, but it's not bad. I I was worried that it would be a really awkward experience putting it on, taking it off, and it's not. It's easy. You get used to it. You see, because I understand what you mean about the sizing thing, but like it just seems like such a pain in the butt to actually get the right one in the first place. Well, that's <laughs> that's true. But once you get it, but this is this is the fascinating thing, right? Is like there is definitely somebody at Apple who is like, oh well, you know what the perfect thing is to have the perfectly sized watch band and never have to uh, size it and never have to hassle with it mm. and never have to check the Velcro or count the dots. It's just perfect, and we're going to do that by making thirteen different sizes for both of the size watch classes, and then people have to measure their wrists. And it's like, okay, you just lost it, right? Yeah. You it was perfect so 
except for all the things that make it more complicated. But if you get one and it's the right size, it's uh, it's it's nice. It's nice. Yeah, you see, I liked having the ability to change the the where the how my watch is buckled. I like that personally because there'll be different times where I want it tighter or looser. Like that's just like a personal preference thing of mine. But so like my point is like the, 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 the regular rubbery one, like for me, the way that I look at it, I don't see why I would want that over the typical uh, sport loop because I, I, I like the sport loops. I wear the uh, Nike Pride sport loop on my Apple Watch and have been for a while. Since the, with my um, Series 5, I've only worn... Uh, sport loops with it because I got the edition one, the white ah. one. So I was wearing the white one that had the matching ceramic pin on it because I really liked that. And then when they brought out the Pride Nike one, I was like, oh, I like that too because it's also white. So I've been wearing that. But I would consider the braided solo loop um, because it looks nice, right? Uh, so I, I think that it is a good looking band. I actually would really like them to make that with a buckle on it personally mm. um but yeah, i would consider it but like i'm not in a rush uh at all actually i'm not going to buy one of the braided solo loops until i could try it on and that's not right. going to be anytime soon that i will want to try one on but i well, do i let like me tell the you, colors um uh, there were people in my apple store mm-hmm. <laughs> uh it seems as if, if if i can give my report about that i showed up there's a line of people that is like the line to see where you who you are and why you're there. And that was very short. And I said, I'm just here for pickup. And they said, go stand over there. There was a separate line that was like for people who wanted to go in the store. And it seems like everybody who went into the store was escorted by an Apple employee mm-hmm. um, to wherever they said they needed to go to do whatever they needed to do so they could get in, ask their questions that they needed to, get in, get out. And they take their temperature before they go in and stuff like that. Yeah, but, but surely one of the things that, that you're not able to do right now is try on a band. I don't know. It would be interesting to see. I bet you could. I bet you could say, I want to buy a sport loop, but I don't know what my size is. And and I wonder if they would be like, we, we can do that. We, we can we can make that happen. Mm. Um, I don't know what level they are, but there were people in there. That's the thing that, that got me is like, what are they saying? Are they saying, I would like to look at an iPhone? Is that it? I would like to look at an iPad. Can you show me an iPad? Okay, sure. Wait over there and we'll, we'll usher you in. Because there were people in there. There were probably, um, you know, 15, 20 people in the store with Apple employees. So it was super, it looked busy in the context of mid-2020, but uh, empty in the context of before March of 2020. So it was fascinating to see that. But it was super efficient for me because I was doing in-store pickup. So they literally uh, had me wait on the side and then brought me the thing and I showed my ID and then I left. I didn't have to set foot in the store, which was just fine with me because they don't need me in there and I don't want to be in there. So um, the uh, veg in the chat is saying that it, they do that you can do it and they will sanitize the watch bands for you. There is a difference between Apple doing it and me wanting to do that. And I don't want to do that. I see. <laughs> right. I see. Like, but even that, if they, but they are going to do it. If you, if you're so keen yeah. on your Apple watch sizing that you want to go to an Apple store, they will let you do it. Everybody's got a mask on. They'll show it to you and all of that. So it's mm-hmm. your level of comfort, but they seem to be up and running for that. And then we have somebody else, uh, maybe Carter in the chat room saying, 
in their Apple store, you just need to be accompanied by a specialist at all times, which is definitely what I saw is it's a one-to-one, and which is great, except it's not scalable. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how Apple handles this. If, you know, as we get more toward the holidays, are they going... Is there going to be more demand? Are there going to be longer lines? Are they going to have to change their policies? How are they going to deal with the iPhone? That's what I'm interested in. I don't know. How are they going to sell the next iPhone? Will you be able to buy it in a store? If you can, what does that look like? Um, I'm because, you know, we've all been in lines at Apple stores on iPhone day at some point in our lives. Maybe you haven't actually, but most most people (laughs) have been. I have. Uh, Yeah, you have? I have. Okay. Um, but those lines are long and they are crammed. So if you want to put a bunch of distance between every person in that line, I think you could line up the entire of the United Kingdom on iPhone day. You could just say all the lines will just start meeting with each other at a certain point. Um, like I don't really know how they're going to manage that. Um, I also personally would love to just run by an Apple store and just pick one up real quick, like how you did on the iPhone day, because I hate waiting for the delivery truck. But uh, that, you know, I would really want to know what their process is before I would consider that. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that one all goes down. Yeah, well, we'll keep watching it. This is among our list. I feel Upgrade has formed its own little identity over time. Mm -hmm. And like we're interested in uh, the rise of streaming media and the streaming wars. We're interested in Apple retail and sort of like mm-hmm. what their strategy is there. Like there, we have these little little areas that we're interested in, so we'll Verticals, keep our, our eye on say. it. Yeah. Hey, Upgradians, if you're out there, and if you no longer want to listen to ads on this show, get some extra content and support Upgrade, you should sign up for Upgrade Plus. It's just $5 a month or $50 a year, and you get loads of benefits for just for being a Relay FM member, like access to our annual bonus crossover shows that include text adventures. You get extra monthly shows like Backstage and Fusion, which is just for Relay FM members, and also access to our members' Discord, which is a wonderful community with loads of conversations going on at all times and a really wonderful way to listen to our live streams as well. As an Upgrade Plus member, you'll be supporting the show and becoming part of the secret society of Upgradians. Mm-hmm. You'll get what I mean when you see the show artwork for Upgrade Plus. <laughs> go to getupgradeplus.com and you can sign up for $5 a month. Or if you go to relay.fm upgrade, you can sign up for our annual plan, which is $50 a year. We've been really enjoying the additional content that we make available for Upgrade Plus subscribers. It's fun, relaxed, and can let us be creative in different ways. There's a lot of stuff that is um, behind-the-scenes type of conversations that we have as well. So, like, around the drafts, we were talking about, like, kind of the meta draft and then talking about how we think we're going to be able to do the drafts in the future as the rest of the year runs out, so you can hear us talk about stuff like that. And there's also sometimes just content that is really fun and different, but it just didn't have a place for the show. And now we actually get a place to put that, and that's in Upgrade Plus. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch of stuff in there. Uh, so you can get this and so much more by becoming a member today. Once again, that is getupgradeplus.com. It is time for some hashtag ask upgrade questions. <laughs> and we'll start off with Molly's question. It says, what is your favorite widget right now on your oh. iOS devices? Oh... Oh, that's so hard. It's tricky, right? I have lots, though. So, I mean, a lot of them are pretty similar to what I was talking about last time. So, I think I'm going to have to go with three. Uh, (laughs) Okay. 
no four. Jason, I'm going to do four. Oh I'm my sorry, God. I can't okay. help it. I can't help it. Um, the 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 carrot weather widget that I mentioned earlier, the forecast one, I think it's fantastic. I really love the fantastic cow widget, which is called event list and calendar. Um, and I they have a feature that I wasn't sure about at first, but I've tried out, and it's called to show heat map which basically highlights in color how busy your day is on the calendar. Uh, and I wasn't sure about it at first, but I've actually come to really enjoy getting that like bird's eye view of what my week looks like. So I like that and that stuck around. Um, the time zone widget in Widgetsmith, I really love that, especially because I've been able to make it look really nice and aesthetic, as, as the kids say. And also, uh, there's an upcoming widget that for Timery, which is my time tracker, um, and this I think it's coming pretty soon. Um, it's called Time Tracked, which is basically a widget that shows me my total time tracked throughout the day, and a little graph that shows me what I've spent my most time on. Uh, and it also, when I'm tracking something, which like I am right now, uh, the time is ticking up on the widget in real time, which I I think is fantastic. It's really really great. So they're my favorites. I do like the um, the Fantastical widget a lot. I don't have it with the calendar. I don't like the calendar. I like the straight up event list mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the calendar is tiny, and I I don't need to know all the things that are in there. So I uh, although it, one of the things that's nice is you can set those widgets to have different calendar sets. Yeah. So one of the things yeah. that I'm impressed by is you can have like I could have my family calendar in a widget. That is not my normal calendar set. But mm-hmm. in, in a widget, I can see what the family calendar is telling mm-hmm. me, which is pretty cool. Um, my favorite widget, honestly, is scriptable because my two favorite widgets are these widgets that I built for myself that use you know, my local data to tell me the weather the, or the current temperature and the high and the, the air quality and stuff like that. And I used to hit my... Um, my little weather server webpage all the time and now I don't because I have it in widget form which is better so scriptable it's great it's awesome I saw somebody posting uh, and, I, and I believe that uh, Simon I believe is the name of the developer Simon, uh, he posted Simon scriptable somebody yep. Simon scriptable somebody posted a a scriptable uh, script for a widget that ended up creating a transparent background because yes. you use a screenshot of your yes. home screen, it's yes. wild. Yeah, so it really takes a screenshot, it, it figures out what your wallpaper is, and then it uses that uh, and your location of your widget, and it basically runs that in the background so it looks like it's transparent, even though widgets don't apparently um, support like an alpha channel, so it fakes it. It's very clever, and there's there's going to be more stuff like that. Also, I, I could say, hey, uh, widgets supporting alpha channels is a good idea. Also, it's fascinating to be on the test flight for Scriptable because he's he keeps thinking of things that he could add to it um, as he goes. So like now you can do uh, a grid, so you can do um, stuff that's placed horizontally within a widget, whereas previously it was just sort of a stack vertically. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always new stuff. And, and he did an auto resize thing, which I actually added to my widget so that you can set a... Uh, if if you have text that changes, like the air quality, you can set a font size for it, but now you can set a minimum scale and it basically makes it smaller until it fits, which is really great because mm. some of the descriptions are long and some of them are short and I want it to be big. And I was previously doing that manually. I was like, if it's this word, make it this size. If it's this word, make it this size. And now that's all back out because he added this thing that lets it just automatically scale. So um, yeah, he's it's fun to see developers 
like widgets, it's not just users who are figuring out what widgets are for. The developers, people like Simon, people like David Smith, are figuring out what widgets are for too as they go, which is fascinating. Alex asks, would renaming the low-cost $329 entry-level iPad to be called the iPad SE help define the line of iPads in your opinion? I like this suggestion. I think it would help. I, I It would help how we refer to it, right? Because mm-hmm. there'd be the iPad SE, the iPad Air, and the iPad Pro, and rather than the iPad that's just the iPad. Like, we have to explain that iPad is also a product. It's a product line and a product. It's confusing. So I would say in that in that sense, yes. Um, in another sense, I don't know. It's an it's an iPad. It's the classic iPad. I kind of like that it's still nah, just the iPad. But it would be much less confusing if it was the iPad SE. At this point, I think it's the only product that still maintains the name of the line. There isn't an iPhone called iPhone. There isn't an and Apple isn't Watch a called MacBook. Apple Watch. There's no MacBook, MacBook, but even that, iMac. it's like not Mac, right? Like there's no product yeah, just called Mac. Yeah, but it's not Mac. Mac. That's true. So I, th- I think a name for that iPad would be good. And iPad SE totally works because that still looks like the really old iPad, right? <laughs> which is like yeah. that's the iPhone SE. So I think that's a smart idea. Uh, but as we know, you cannot rely on Apple's naming. You just can't. Even even if something no. seems like the logical thing, it doesn't mean that they'll do it. Luke asks, Jason, we're going to go back to uh, stand goals again. You mentioned that you lowered your stand goal from 12 hours to 8. How'd you do it? You go to the activity app on the watch. This is a watchOS 7 feature, right? Uh, this is a new watchOS 7 feature. Mm-hmm. So on the watch, you go to the activity app and scroll down to the bottom and there's a button called change goals. Did I just blow your mind? And you change your goals. And you say, you know what? I don't want to stand for 12 hours a day with your stupid thing that can't detect when I'm standing. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's shoot for eight. <laughs> and it'll say, okay. So that's what I did. I would like to air a frustration. Why? Like there are some mm-hmm. things that you can do on the watch and some things you can do in the watch app. And some things can only be done on the watch and some things can only be done in the watch app. And it is yep. impossible to yep. try and understand. There's no logic to which can be done where. So I find that very frustrating. I know that's that's uh, a constant frustration for me, the idea that you have these two devices. I, I ranted about this a few years ago about my um, my Amazon Echo Show, mm-hmm. which has a touchscreen and it has a settings menu. Oh, and there's yeah. certain things <laughs> that you can control from the settings menu. Yep. And there are certain things that you can control from the Alexa app. And they're totally separate. And... Y- and and like so you'll be like well why can i do this and the answer is oh i think what i was doing is i was complaining that there was something i couldn't do uh and somebody was like oh you do that on device in the settings window and i'm like are you kidding me so it is a problem that a lot of these little satellite devices have where they're like well we have an app over here on your smartphone but also there are some settings you set on the device and sometimes it's only on one or the other and it's very frustrating so yes in this case i can't find any way to do it in the watch app on the iphone but in the activity app on the watch you can set it Andrew says, iOS 14 now has a visual indicator in the operating system for when the camera is being used. There's also one for the dictation too. I think that one's orange. The camera one is green. Do you think this could come to the Mac, uh, perhaps allowing our Macs to drop the little light next to the camera? 
Uh, they could. I think the little light is great because the little light is is wired into the hardware. Mm-hmm. And like literally you can't turn that camera on without turning the light on in software. Yeah. Um, because it's hardwired in. I think that's the best practice is to make it something that's not hackable by software mm-hmm. to give the highest level of reassurance. And I like that they're in, in, you know, Apple could say, well, it's so locked down that we control it all now and it goes through the T2 and it's fine and the T2 controls that. But, you know, if you're just displaying something in the Mac interface, it is theoretically something that could be hacked, whereas um, something on your screen or, or the actual light, you would need to, with hardware, like cover or break the light in order for that to not happen. And I think that's better. So I, I don't see Apple backtracking on that. They could if they want to cheap out and not have the light there anymore and just have it be in software. But I think in terms of a commitment to security and privacy, it's better to just keep it the way it is. And Chris asks, is it a bad time to buy AirPods Pro? This one was tricky because my gut says no, you're you're fine. Yeah. But don't buy something. Don't buy anything when we're maybe like two weeks away from an Apple event. Like just if I mean, you can wait two weeks, just wait if two you can, weeks. If you can wait until the Apple after the iPhone event, I guess you could. I, I don't think it's a bad time to buy AirPods Pro because they're yeah. great. Right, but and what, if, what if like they show off the new AirPods Studio, the headpods, and then Chris is like, oh, you know what? I would prefer those. Well, if you would prefer a different product to the AirPods Pro, then now is probably not the right time to buy the AirPods Pro. But if you want AirPods Pro and you're just worried that they're going to be replaced by a second generation, you know, not only do the rumors not really suggest that, but if there is a second generation, I have a hard time believing that it's going to be anything that isn't pretty incremental, sort of like with the original AirPods. So I wouldn't sweat it too much unless, as Mike said, you are thinking of your options and there might be a better option and Apple's got an event probably coming in the next few weeks. So why not wait? Yeah, I think it's, if you are desperate for a product of some kind, you get it now. But if you're just interested or like you just really want it, don't. Just wait. It's like a couple of weeks and then you'll know. Uh, I'm putting uh, my money down personally now on October 13th, by the way, for the for the next Apple event. I think that's the best guess yeah. is October 13th. Yeah. But we'll see. I was thinking last week that it might be uh, the sixth, but now I'm I've changed my bet and I'm sticking with this one. Uh, I reckon it's I reckon it's going to be the thirteenth. It's going to be our next Apple event, which means that we'll probably be drafting again on the twelfth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I don't think we're going to get two weeks notice. Who knows? Maybe they'll give more notice for the iPhone event, but I doubt it. I doubt it. If you'd like to send in a question for us to answer on the show, you can just send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or use question mark AskUpgrade in the RelayFM members Discord, uh, which is something that is available for people that sign up for Upgrade Plus. You can go to getupgradeplus.com and you can support the show, get more content, and hear no ads. Um, if you'd like to find Jason online, you can go to sixcolors.com and he's at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you so much to Pingdom and Eero for their support of this week's episode. And of course, thank you for listening. And we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, Mike Early. Goodbye, Mike Early.